Well, today I'm so excited to welcome to Connections, the podcast, Terry Conlin. So Terry, welcome. I'm so glad to have you here today. It's so fun to talk to you, see your face. Yes, it's so great. So we're recording this on Zoom, which is really fun. So we get to look at each other, but you all don't get to see us and you'll get to hear us. And it's really fun for me to see Terry because we first met kind of a fun story. We are both part of something called the Open Door Sisterhood. And many of you are familiar with Alex Kirkendall and also with Krista Gilbert. And they are sort of run the Open Door Sisterhood. And both Terry and I were invited to this retreat several years ago, and we met there. And as a matter of fact, we met and we were roommates and thrown into the same room and the same bed and all of that very quickly. So we quickly became friends right away, didn't we, Terry? Yes, we did. <laughs> it was fun. And it was such a great weekend. And so I got to know Terry that weekend and got to hear a little bit of her story and her passion for writing and speaking and really for studying God's word and just her leadership. And then I found out this really uh, neat part of her story, which was she has a child with special needs. And so as she started telling her story, I was like, oh my goodness, Terry, you are so full of wisdom and love and compassion. And you've taken that and you've sort of taken your story and now you are blessing other people in the world with what you have learned, uh, what you're still striving to learn. And so that's what we kind of want to talk about today. So Terry, I know um, we have a lot of our leaders who are listening who are moms that have special needs kids, or they have moms in their MOPS groups who have special needs kids. So I just want them to hear from someone that has firsthand experience with this. And I'd love for you just to tell us your story about your awesome son. Hmm. Well, I, um, I'm a mom of four kids and one of them had special needs. So I do feel like one of the ways that God shaped me and my spiritual life was parenting all of those kids together. And so, um, sometimes it had to be about the one that had extra needs. And sometimes it had to be about one of the kids that maybe didn't have extra needs, but still had needs. Um, so we, uh, you know, I guess the best way to say it is we, we really kind of thought at first that, um, Mac wasn't hearing very well and, um, and he had been born fine and all APGAR scores fine. And really about, I don't know, after the birth of the fourth child, which was really close to his birth, um, we started kind of seeing he doesn't respond and maybe he doesn't hear you and, or maybe he doesn't understand. And so it was a very kind of slow dawning, I guess. There wasn't an abrupt, he spoke, he crawled, he walked, he engaged with us. So we just didn't have any indicator uh, very early. Well, let me back up, not in the very beginning, but after his first birthday, we started seeing some of those signs. So um, I at first thought, I just forgot how to parent. I forgot how to discipline. I forgot how to run a household. And now I have four. And um, so some of it I thought was in, was my skills. But my pediatrician was the first one to sort of point out one day in the doctor's office, which was always really hard um, for Matt. Uh, the waiting, the people touching you, that you don't know what's happening. People are trying to explain to you 
that they're going to weigh you and measure you, but um, he clearly wasn't understanding. Anyway, he kind of took me aside and said, I, I have been kind of observing you and noticing that you have clear boundaries and you um, are connected to your kids and nurturing to your kids. Um, but this one child is, is changing all the mix up. And I think there might be something there. And I both felt relief and I wanted to cry <laughs> because it's, you know, you don't want to hear there really is a something that you don't even know what it is. So it, you know, could be anything. Um, and also some relief that there, maybe there's something we could help with and we could address and we could understand. Do you feel like you sort of had that mothering instinct of maybe something is a little off, but you weren't sure. And then when your pediatrician finally said, Hey, I'm observing this about you. Like you said, the flood of relief. I think sometimes as moms, we just need that affirmation from someone to say, not crazy. This is really what, what I'm noticing. That's yeah. It was a little bit, you know, years later I could see, I, that was maybe too much focus on me and my skills. I was judging myself as a mother um, and had expectations about, I don't know, how my children behave. Did it reflect my maturity or my spiritual um, leadership or my parenting skills? I mean, it's maybe especially within Christian circles, um, we can feel that way. You, you, you have, you know, control of and um, connection with and obedience from your children. And, um, you know, he did a lot of running away, running away from me in places where he needed to stay near, not wanting to hold hands and, um, and no amount of telling him he couldn't do that sort of kept him from doing that. So by the time we were getting some indications that something was wrong, it actually was helping me see it not as disobedience and not as a thing to be judged for or be hard on myself for, but as something my child really needed help with. He was running for a reason and he was misbehaving for a reason and he was acting out for a reason and he was hitting for a reason. I mean, none of that made that more comfortable necessarily because we, you know, we don't want any, um, we don't want, there's no hitting, right? <laughs> but um, it helped me see, oh, okay. Um, if there's some things we can help him with, either it's emotional or behavioral or um, processing, that's what it turned out some of it was. Um, so it, it gave me hope, but also it, it throws you into, I mean, testing and, you know, hospital visits and having a therapist and or therapists with an S, a world I really hadn't been in, ch children's hospitals. And um, so it was very formative in, you know, I guess I had expectations about having a family that your child comes in and yes, it's disruptive in that everyone relearns how to sleep and do their day and, you know, but beautiful. And as long as you're um, uh, consistent, and um, loving it, that everyone kind of comes into the way you want the family to go. And that was not how it was going. And, uh, and we were figuring that out pretty early. I mean, he was a little over a year um, and getting out of the crib and running away and doing all kinds of things that disrupted the family. It brought us a lot of pain 
I guess. Um, but realizing he was also in pain yes. was, was part of that, um, part of why it helped for us to start to get, um, I don't know, it's an unfolding diagnosis. They sort of start with, it could be this, 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 or this, and then they slowly kind of eliminate based on his behavior, based on testing, based on all sorts of things, um, his learning, um, what it might be. So, um, yeah, that was, you know, a lot of tears for me, I guess. And I, I, I wasn't, I always enjoyed motherhood and I wasn't a super big crier and suddenly I wasn't enjoying motherhood and I was crying all the time. <laughs> um, because this was, you know, he's 25. So this was a long time ago where, um, you know, you couldn't find a therapist for somebody under eight or 10. Um, if you got them tested, it was, you know, difficult because they don't have a lot of language. They're not in school yet. Right. Um, and so uh, we maybe knew sooner than most just because his behavior was pretty extreme. What I find interesting for people who um, had sort of those different issues with their kids, say 20, 25 years ago, Mm -hmm. uh, my oldest son, not to um, the severity that you experienced, but having life-threatening allergies, there weren't things such as labels on foods, and we had to make everything from scratch. And so I think in some ways, those of us who dealt with harder issues, we were sort of pioneering those things mm -hmm. because we were pushing like, hey, we need to know what's in this because you changed the ingredient. Now my child's throwing up and in the hospital and experiencing a life-threatening allergic reaction and they started to label things and so we could read food labels and find out oh no wonder we shouldn't have been doing that because they added milk to this pretzel crazy right yeah. but you experienced this as well the, a lot of things 20 years ago were not available to us um right. therapies and even diagnosis and they've done so much work so i'm thankful that um you were trailblazing that even though it was super hard but mm -hmm. I believe what's great about the young moms now is that you are opening up about it and they can lean into sort of your knowledge and your experience and mm -hmm. not to say oh you have it easier now because they really don't but in some ways they have more uh, tools in their toolbox and I'm just very thankful for that and God met me there you know um that didn't mean every day I woke up and knew exactly what to do, but um, I camped in Job quite a bit because um, I did feel that suffering and I kind of felt uh, like I didn't know where God was in this and what he was doing and, and what he had for me and how I would love, um, how I would be able to not love them. I didn't have any trouble loving them, but attend to all my children's needs when one was so, um, their needs were so deep and I didn't quite understand them. Um, so those last chapters in Job where when God finally talks to him, it's basically, but do you know who I am and what, what I've done? And he didn't really answer the question about suffering. Um, and then I just that the Psalms come right after Job always felt like God's providence because the Psalms are full of comfort and, real emotions and 
meeting God in the middle of them. And so I've always loved how those two books are right up against each other. So I spent a lot of time in those, those books, um, you know, trying to figure out what my expectations were and what I needed from God and who he was and how he had made my child um, just as he was and beautiful but difficult for our family in some regards until we could start to understand him a little bit. And then he changed us in really um, profound and glorious ways that I think, you know, I wonder if we would have gotten without having him in our families. That's beautiful. I want to touch back on something real quick before we go on. You had mentioned that sometimes in Christian circles, it was hard. You had this expectation you put on yourself or you mm-hmm. felt other people perhaps we're wanting your children to be better, perfect, all of these things. And we talk a lot about that at MOPS, like this expectation that we put on ourselves or sometimes as women that we put on each other mm-hmm. when you get that glare in the grocery store because your toddler's throwing a temper tantrum. And in your case, I like extreme behavior. So people mm-hmm. looking at you like, get a grip. Why is he doing that? And mm-hmm how as we are trying to change that in the world to be kind and to to give each other a break as moms. um, I I think that's really an important thing not to skip over. Yeah. I I do have a vivid memory of um, going to pick him up at a preschool and he both went to an alternative preschool because we got some early intervention help. And then he, he sort of fell into a gap between that and actually starting kindergarten. So he went to a regular Christian preschool and um, I was called yet again to come get him early. <laughs> so um, I had arrived to get him and I had been crying um, and cause every day I hoped that he would make it and be kind to other children and be, um, you know, directable from the teacher. Um, and I was wearing sunglasses because I had been crying and I was going in to get him. And, um, after regular preschool, you could stay for some sort of lunch and play, which he never could stay with. So I already kind of had that. Oh, I was having a little pity party. Oh, he can, he can never stay and do that. You know, feeling sorry for myself and him that he couldn't do it. And then I saw that some moms were coming in with wrapped birthday presents. And so I knew that there was also going to be a birthday party, which I think they don't do so much anymore. But at that time, uh, I just, I felt left out. I don't know that he super cared at that point or he had bigger, you know, things he was struggling with, but I cared for him and for me. And so I realized that I had this expectation of, you know, I don't know. Why can't I be like other families? Why, you know, what, what, what's it like for a child never to be invited to a birthday party? And, um, that though, what happened with that after I cried a bit and (laughs) felt sorry for myself was I woke up, I don't know, probably a few days later, maybe months and realized I could be invited. I'm not the only mom. I'm not the only mom who's not been invited to birthday parties or whose child is not invited. Um, and I knew why, you know, he, he didn't know how to enter children's play and, you know, he might hit and he might run out and, you know, he just, he didn't want people to touch him. And so I understood why, but I still felt the hurt, I guess. But anyway, I woke up and thought, uh, who else, what other children aren't getting, getting invited to birthday parties. And it was an aha moment for me because I, 
my other children were invited to birthday parties. And so um, I didn't necessarily have that left out feeling for them or for myself. And so um, I invited, he never needed tons of people at his birthday parties, but, um, but he did a few and we invited a friend of mine. And this will tell you that I was just, just like everybody else um, whose son was in a wheelchair and she cried when I invited her and her son because he had never been invited to a birthday party. And you know, there's lots of reasons it, we were having a putt putt golf birthday party, little bitty, you know, toddler version of it. Maybe they were five at the time and he was in a wheelchair and I honestly didn't know what's that going to be like going over the little curbs and you know, somewhere it's ramps, but you got to get up onto the green and hold a, um, a driver and all that kind of stuff. And so I just told her, I said, I, I don't know. I can't say anything about the golf course and whether it's really wheelchair accessible, but we would love for your son to come. And so just the fact that she cried and I thought, okay, compassion for other people is part of in places I haven't thought to look. And, um, so that was just a beautiful thing. I, I, to have some kids at his birthday parties over the years that I know weren't included in lots of other parties. Thank you for sharing that. You know, you just touched on something so important, the compassion mm. uh, that sometimes we just overlook or we don't put ourselves in somebody else's circumstance. And here you had a child with special needs, but then mm -hmm. you hadn't really thought about reaching out to the other mom with the child with special needs. Mm -hmm. and sometimes we're just clouded by our own circumstances, right? That we're not looking beyond. And what a beautiful lesson. Well, and uh, it, it continued to bear fruit, that little sort of nudge from God, because especially my girls, junior high girls is a tough, tough time. And you're teaching a lot about friendship and faithfulness and how we treat other people and how we talk about other people and leaving people out. And so when the girls were uh, junior high age, say maybe fifth and sixth grade, I didn't make them invite the whole class to their birthday party because I wanted them to have some agency in who gets to come to their party. And you don't need 30 kids usually at the birthday party. Um, but since they were always invited, I was awake then to this responsibility that maybe we could do some other things that included the whole class. So we would do what we call friendship party. And in the summertime, we would just, it would be on our deck and we would do like, popsicles and a craft. That's basically it. And the whole class was invited. Understandably in the summer, they won't all be able to come. Um, but it was a chance for my girls who were invited to parties and like every party it felt like. And I knew that there were girls, maybe not even for special needs reasons, were just left out. You know, they didn't, if you could only invite 10 people, they weren't one of the 10. Um, and it was really beautiful because it was a moment to teach the girls about looking around for who's not included in one way or another and make sure if you are the one included that you, you do some including. And in that case, it's not just your dear friends that get to come. <laughs> it's not just your inner circle. We're going to invite the whole class. Um, so, but it wasn't a big all out birthday party. We just called it friendship party. And, um, so I think that really came straight from Mac not being invited to birthday parties and then us figuring out who we could invite that maybe had never been included. 
let me ask you another question. What would your advice be to some of our leaders who have special needs kids and they're trying to lead and they're feeling maybe a bit overwhelmed with the responsibility of like, I want to do this. I feel like Mm -hmm. God has actually even called me to do this, Mm -hmm. but I have these needs that need to be met for my child and they're way bigger than what maybe I thought I could do. What would your advice be to our leaders who are in that place? I have been in that place. Uh, and I, I guess I would panic sometimes because I would think if I can't lead this season, I can't ever lead. And that's not true. And so I came in and out of leadership, which kind of goes against my very consistent, faithful, responsible um, personality. Um, there were times I got to do a little bit and then there were times I got to do a little bit more. And then there were times I had to step completely out, like having the surprise baby number four. I I was actually poised to like be the Bible study leader, teacher or whatever. And I had to say, I can't do that because now I'm going to have four kids. And by the way, I'll be having a baby. So, um, it, it isn't only for special needs, but it, we really, a lot of the times I stepped out were because we needed a quieter life. I needed to be driving to therapy. I needed to not try to be dropping kids off at school, assuming I could do something else. You know, I guess you could think of Moses or any number of leaders that is part of your formation as a leader as well. Um, the time in the desert, if you want to look at it that way, or the time just at home with family or doing some other um, things, you, it can feel very lonely. And I shed tears over that too. It, look, listen to all this crying after I tell you I'm not a crier. <laughs> but um, you have dreams and, and you think it's supposed to go maybe literally and upward, diagonal upward, and it just doesn't. It kind of was in fits and starts. And uh, I got a mentor during that time. Um, and so she could, she was older than me and um, she could help me frame that, you know, that, that sometimes these seasons don't last forever, not to kick against them. And yeah, I didn't have family nearby. So my, I had to step out sometimes just because I didn't have someone else to um, help with things at home or so mentors are so valuable I think in our life and that's something we really promote at mops is having a mentor and not only in mops I think just in life in general it's so good to have someone that's a little bit farther ahead of you pouring into your life and I also love what you said like life does not just go on this great you know perfect line this trajectory that goes straight up all the time but it's really more up and down and Mm -hmm. Sometimes if you have to say no, it doesn't mean no forever. And right. I, I would love for our audience to hear that, that sometimes the best decision is to say no and know that if God's really called you to do that, those opportunities will come and they might even be bigger and better than what you were thinking. Yeah. And God meets us there too. I mean, it, that's probably a lot of times when I read Job and I read the Psalms and you know, I was reading a lot of books on the out of sync child and the sensory overloaded child and the child that, that has receptive language delays as I learned the things that he needed. Um, that takes time and energy and um, it would be easy to be busy leading other things when that kind of thing is needed at home. So um well, give us some advice for those who maybe have moms with the kids that have special needs in their group 
how would you um, advise them? What could they do to help these moms feel more included? Or what could they do to make ease the load of a mom who has a child with special needs? What would you, what would you tell them? My world was autism, autism spectrum. And, but just because you've met one child on the spectrum doesn't mean you have met them all, um, clearly, but you don't know everything. So um, sometimes just asking them what they need is helpful because they need different things and not assuming maybe that they, oh, they need this or that, or, you know, and I, I, sometimes they won't know. I have to say in the early years, I didn't really, I needed everything. <laughs> So I didn't even know, but to have someone just acknowledge that it was hard or that I was doing a good job or um, not that, I mean, unfortunately I had people say, well, you know, you're strong and that's why God gave it to you. And I would think to myself, no, I'm not. And that is not why, you know, that didn't compute with me um, because I did feel like he had given me more than I could handle at that time. Um, but anyway, I think just, um, maybe just asking them something about their life or their child or their whole family, since it's not just the one child or it's hard on a marriage, you know, just seeing them and asking them a few questions. And, um, and I think the, the fine line between, um, I mean, some, some mothers of special needs kids, the label helps them quite a bit. Um, and it can help them get therapies and it can help them get educational assistance and other moms. I had other mom friends that really refused all the labels. And, and I think that's just very personal. Um, you can make them work for you or not work for you, but they don't tell you everything about your child, whether you refuse them or you accept them. There's this line we're walking between hope and limit. But, you know, being realistic about some expectations you have on your child that may not be at their capabilities right now, but still having hopes. We don't know what they're capable of yet. We don't know what they're going to do in the world. Um, and so not getting ahead of ourselves. And so I think in some ways you treat them like everyone else, but you see them and you include them. You let them be the ones to decide. I can't come to the birthday party because it's too difficult but they're invited. So it's their decision to make, or I'd love for you to come to the birthday party. If, if, um, and I'm just using the birthday party as an example, maybe it's to mops group or to a gathering or something. Um, what would make it possible for you to come? I, I did have a few friends um, loan me their uh, teenage daughter as babysitters. And that was a tough gig at my house <laughs> and sometimes everyone was in tears at the end of it and what a blessing because it was hard to to um leave him and have everybody feel like it had gone well so that was really getting in there with me um because i did need some breaks and i didn't have my mom nearby and my husband worked long hours and so um it might be babysitting it might be a meal it might be could you come to coffee what kind of day could you come to coffee? Maybe it's on the weekend where that's not when you would like to do coffee, but that's when her um, spouse is home or, um, you know, she might have more help. Yeah. Or the, the mentor, you know, meeting with a mentor, there's all kinds of things, uh, you know, just my meeting with the mentor gave me like, okay, I gotta go be with my mentor. 
<laughs> what time are you going to be home tonight? You know, that got me out of yes. the house a little bit and talking to someone who could give me perspective and pray with me and pray for me. And, um, you yeah, you it so well, it's just the awareness and mm -hmm. letting other people know that you see them and you see their yeah. circumstance and sort of giving them the option. I really love that advice, giving them the option to say yes, no, or when. Mm -hmm. uh, even, you know, now that I'm older, my kids are older, and I do have a couple younger moms that I mentor, and it's really about giving them the time that works for them because their schedule, it's hard to get away, right? So yeah. just acknowledging where they are in that space in their life, I think is really good. I want to ask you one more question, Terry. You had mentioned earlier that your son brought you so much joy and there were life lessons that you learned that you don't think maybe you would have learned otherwise. Would mm -hmm. you be willing to share a couple of those with us? Yeah. Uh, you know, the compassion for moms who are struggling in motherhood because I loved motherhood. And um, even when the house was crazy, but then I didn't, or I struggled to love it. And um, so compassion is huge. I feel like it, my kids got an extra dose of it because of the struggles at home, because family vacations could be difficult and um, bedtime could be difficult. Um, and communication, you know, one of the things about autism is, um, either inability to communicate because they don't give you good eye contact or um, their emotions are very like, it's either angry or nothing and there isn't a lot of nuance in there. Um, and uh, I, it helped me understand how, how much God attempts to communicate with us. Just the whole idea of an an incarnational God, just Jesus in a body coming to humanity and how long he woos us and how he gives us, you know, the stars in the sky and the moon at night and the flowers. And he's always talking to us in this love language. And so I guess there was a really practical way there because we had to learn some ways um, to communicate better. We had to slow down our, our multiple, um, commands get your shoes on get your coat on get your backpack like I, I was a fast moving mama and I needed to give one thing at a time and then let him do it and um so just moving at a slower pace is believe it or not really a blessing like just a little bit slower life inside and outside I think blessed my whole family and I think we just might have been a family on the go to maybe to an extreme. Um, we were also in the public school and the private school. So I had my feet in both of those because he needed public school and he, and there were great things about public school. And I think I, we might've had all the kids in this little Christian school near our home. Um, otherwise, um, so I guess, you know, that kind of opening up of, of, all the ways that God loves us and the ways he, he is expecting us to love other people. And it really is not inside a box. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, you can always ask, Hmm, would I ever figured it out? Maybe eventually, maybe never. 
certainly not as soon, or it wouldn't have taken so many tears and so much um, angst on, on the part of, I don't know, maybe a picture I had in my mind of what it was like to be a Jesus following mother and leader and wife and all of that, you know, a lot of that got kind of opened up in painful ways and in beautiful ways. Um, so those are the things that come to mind and just camping in scripture. I mean, and carrying it with you is on index cards all over my house, <laughs> you know, clinging to it and the people that I had to let in. I mean, I had to learn to let people into a very, very painful part of my life, including my husband. I kind of liked to figure it out and, and uh, pick, pick him up from school and kind of have a, have him have a good nap and get his behavior under control before my husband really had to, that was just me. Um, some doing it many hours on my own and some, I don't know, I guess you could say it was pride. It was certainly self, um, sufficiency maybe. And, and just, I got this and that was, um, I had to learn to admit this is hard, cry my tears, ask for help, you know, cry out to God, um, and just say, yeah, it's not going so well right now. <laughs> it's not going so well. Um, and that that wasn't the end of it just cause it's not going well right now. And someone suspended from school was not an indictment on me as a person or our family or our leadership or even our child. Right. Well, I love that you are authentic and open and honest in sharing about your story. And I want to just thank you for being with me today. It's just so great to spend time with you. And I know that our leaders will learn a lot um, from your story and from the way that you share from such an authentic place, encouraging people to really look beyond themselves and look at that person for you know, what they are bringing to the table. So I appreciate those reminders and it's just been great for you to share your story with us. And I appreciate you so much, Terry. Mm -hmm. Best of luck to you. And thank you for joining us on Connections, the podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad we were roomies. All of a sudden, one day, roomies and friends. Thank you, Terry. Thank you.